0: Tired of blogs? (laughs) Me too. Moby Lives Radio starts now. Headquarters of Melville House Publishing in Hoboken, New Jersey, aka the Left Bank of New York City, it's Moby Lives Radio. Greetings, Earthlings. It's Monday, the 21st of November, 2005. I'm Dennis Johnson, and coming up on the program today, we're going to talk to Robert Gray, who's a bookseller at one of America's greatest independent bookstores, the Northshire Bookstore in Manchester, Vermont. We're going to be talking about remainders, buying them, selling them. It's heartbreaking stuff for publishers and authors. It's great stuff for tightwads. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll kiss about 20 minutes goodbye. But first, here's some news from the book world. In France, the ambitious, some would say zealous, interior minister who would be president, Nicolas Sarkozy, has been in the news again lately for something other than making just about every Muslim in the country angry at him with his generally warm feelings towards immigrants. You may recall that many of the rioters in France over the last two weeks had cited Sarkozy's rather intemperate comments for fanning the flames of violence there, but now he's in the news for another reason, a book about his ex-wife, who left him not too long ago for an advertising executive, has been mysteriously withdrawn from publication. The book that was due out a couple of weeks ago on November 9th in Paris bookstores never appeared. Author Valerie Domain says she doesn't know what's going on because she'd been cooperating with the ex-wife or the ex-wife had been cooperating with her in the writing of the book. But Cecilia Sarkozy tells the French newspaper Le Parisien, "When I found out the book was about to come out, I called Nicolas for help. She says that she has no idea what her husband did or her ex-husband did. However, quote, I just told him what it was about and he told me he'd take care of it. That's all I know." Meanwhile, according to an Agence France press report, the Libération newspaper has quoted an unidentified executive at the publisher of the book, First Publications, as saying that once we had a, quote, presidential candidate offside, and especially an interior minister, and quote, the book, again, quote, was no longer possible to publish. Elsewhere in the news, the Google Print program has had its name changed, according to a notice on the company's book blog posted by product marketing manager jen grant quote we've been thinking lately that google print should really be called google book search why the change well one factor was all the comments we got about how excited people were that google print would help them print out their documents or web pages which of course it won't grant goes on to say that we do believe the name change will help a lot of people better understand what we're doing, which is, apparently, quote, to make all the world's books discoverable and searchable online. As every publisher in New York is saying right now, I know, I know. In Canada, the Literary Review magazine has released a list of the 100 most important Canadian books of all time. As Kate Taylor reports in Toronto's Globe and Mail newspaper, The list, quote, confirms stereotypes of Canada as a land of wonks obsessed with politics and national identity, end quote. Taylor's talking about the list's inclusion of, quote, no less than six reports by royal commissions, such as the Geological Survey of Canada of 1863 or Pierre Trudeau's 1968 title Federalism in the French-Canadians. There are a lot of recognizable titles on the list, Mordecai Rickler's on there, of course, for The Apprenticeship of Duddy Kravitz. Rowinton Mystery is on there as well for His a fine Balance. Carol Shields' A Stone Diaries. There's a couple of books by literary critic Northrop Fry. That's got to be worth something. And I might counter Kate Taylor by also pointing out that the list apparently only has one book about hockey on it. Howie Meeker's Hockey Basics, an instruction manual from 1973. Meanwhile, after much criticism and concern from fans and literary diehards, the Walt Disney Company has announced that it's going to tread carefully with its treatment of The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It says that its film version is going to be classy, and so is its promotional campaign, which will be linked to about 80 different brands, ranging from Honey Nut Cheerios to Quilted Northern Bath Tissue. According to a report by Gail Schiller in The Hollywood Reporter, a spokesman for Disney says, We're trying to emphasize that this is a great literary classic. We aren't going for the bombastic. Even the promotions themselves are not overhyped in the way that sometimes promotions can be. Everything is sort of notched up a degree in the classy area. So what exactly does that mean? Well, McDonald's, for example, in its effort to evoke Narnia's literary heritage, is going to offer Happy Meals featuring a collection of pop-up storybooks, each of which comes with figurines representing the various characters in Narnia. When we began working on the program with Disney, we all felt really that we wanted to stay true to the timeless story, a McDonald's spokesman explained. Georgia Pacific, meanwhile, um, which is going to be doing a campaign related to its brawny paper towels and to its quilted northern bath tissue, you know what that is, says that its commercials will open with a picture of a little boy reading from Narnia, says a spokesman for the company. There's an acknowledgement of that literary heritage right from the get-go. It's the part after the get-go that I'm worried about in russia meanwhile they have announced a new literary prize and it's a big one a group of prominent government and cultural figures made the announcement at the leo tolstoy museum in moscow according to a report by victor sondkin in the moscow times the winner of the prize is going to receive 3 million ruples. That's about $100,000. And there will be two runner, runners-up who will get 1.5 million ruples each. That's about $50,000. The award will go to either fiction or nonfiction. Doesn't matter. And organizers are saying it will be second only to the Nobel Prize. And finally, the important stuff. Yes, I'm talking about Anna Weinberg's report for the book standard on the sales impact of the appearance of Terry McMillan on the Oprah Winfrey show with her ex-husband last week. That's right, you remember the backstory here, it's a tawdry one. The man who inspired McMillan to write her book, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, admitted six and a half years into the marriage that he was gay, it led to a really kind of messy divorce he wanted more money than he'd agreed to in a prenup and he sued her and he lost and it was really bad and they went on Oprah and then you know they confessed that well they'd taken a bath together the night before but that it didn't mean anything and they still were really estranged and 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 didn't really like each other well what's that going to do for sales well if you're a publisher and you're thinking about how James Fry's appearance on Oprah two months before for his book A Million Little Pieces we resulted in sales last week alone of 147,000 copies. Right now, you're in a frenzy. So what did the appearance do for Macmillan's newest book, The Interruption of Everything? Well, the good news is she saw the highest rise in her sales since the book had come out in September. The bad news is it meant not 147,000 copies sold, but 2,000. And that's the news, or is it? For the 21st of November 2005, I'm Dennis Johnson.
1: It's November 21st, and on this day in literary history, the great French writer and philosopher, Voltaire, was born in Paris in 1694. Most famous for his great book, Candide, whose character Dr. Pangloss insists, it's all for the best in this best of all possible worlds. Voltaire managed to be both wildly popular and on the wrong side of the law for much of his life. He wrote satires, which in France at the time was a jailing offense. In Voltaire's youth, Louis XIV had instituted the persecution of the Protestants, which turned France into a ferociously intolerant place, with little freedom of speech or religion. And after Louis's death, Voltaire challenged these restrictions by writing satirical poems about the new king and about the church. After being thrown into jail for a second time, Voltaire was released only on the condition that he leave France, and he promptly went into exile in England an experience that ultimately helped to spark the French Enlightenment. For while he was there, he studied English constitutional monarchy and its religious tolerance. He was particularly interested in philosophical rationalism and in the study of natural science. Those who can make you believe absurdities can make you commit atrocities, he wrote. Allowed to return to Paris, he wrote a book praising English customs and institutions which was interpreted as criticizing the French government and again he was forced to leave France. Well Voltaire spent most of his life in exile, but he continued to write about France's religious fanaticism. In his essay on tolerance he wrote, quote, think for yourselves and let others enjoy the privilege to do so too. He became a tireless crusader for the idea of the rights of the individual and one of the most famous and respected men in Europe. People would actually cheer him in the streets and in the last year of his life Voltaire was finally allowed to return home to Paris. At the age of 84 his journey and reception were a triumph, but the emotion was too much for him and he died in Paris soon afterward. Because of his writings against the church, he was denied a churchyard burial. But Voltaire was no stranger to prayer, for he wrote, I have never but made one prayer to God, a very short one. O Lord, Make my enemies ridiculous. And God granted it. I'm Valerie Marions, and that's this day in literary history.
0: i have robert gray on the line robert best known for your website fresh eyes a bookseller's journal and of course an actual bookseller at the northshire in in manchester vermont robert thanks for coming on the show i've been reading on your site about the is it
2: Serobi.
0: Sirobi convention what what is that
2: uh... the sarobi convention is uh... the official version is the chicago international remainder and overstock book exposition which is um kind of a long-winded version of saying that a hundred and thirty or hundred and forty uh... bargain book companies um gather at the hilton chicago every every usually late october early november mm-hmm. To uh, essentially sell off all the lost children of the book <laughs> business.
0: What kind of is, is it? A particular kind of book? Um,
2: they, it is everything that, that that the industry has essentially um, abandoned in the past. I mean, largely the past couple of years, but obviously some of the product goes back. But it includes books that um, were remaindered. Um, you know large print runs that didn't sell. it includes books that were returned and sold back to some of these wholesalers because they weren't um they were worn and weren't good enough to resell
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh it includes any it essentially includes any book that is not likely to sell um, at full retail
0: mm-hmm. So it's not just say blockbuster novels or cookbooks it's it's anything and everything
2: right and and often it is uh you, there are companies there selling. I mean, it Cerobi has a lot of university presses they're selling off theirs. Uh there are companies that 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 are will sell off um excess stock even while they're still selling uh selling it normally. Really? Yeah.
0: They they, they foresee uh that, that the sales of a particular book are ending and so they're already trying to get rid of the, the
2: Well i I've seen any I mean last year when I was there, um I, I actually I take that back. I was at a warehouse um, I went to a warehouse by last winter uh, in the South. Uh, just In this case, I went to a wholesaler's warehouse and bought right off the warehouse floor re- uh, remainders and bargain books. And they had actually unopened cases of a book by an author who had had, had reading at the store only a couple weeks before. Oh, my. So there was some early, uh, some early dump in that situation.
0: An early dump. Uh, tell me about the atmosphere there. This sounds kind of tense to to this small publisher. Um, you're dealing, in a sense, with with failures. Maybe not a, a book that exactly failed, but a book where a publisher printed too many or had a mistaken marketing campaign. I mean, it, it, it just all sounds fraught with tension to me. It is,
2: um, it, it, it is certainly a writer's nightmare uh, <laughs> going there as both a bookseller and a writer. Uh, it is among the more depressing things to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, as a, as a book buyer, it, it has a, an element of uh, Vegas or Atlantic City you're buying in a way that that you don't buy uh, front-list books mm-hmm. um, where you meet with a rep and you quietly look over a list and the rep pitches certain titles and says, you know, I really love this one. At Cirobe, it is um, huge volumes of of books. And I would I would add that it's uh not it's not just failures, uh you also have um hard covers that have gone to paperback for instance. Mm-hmm. Where the hard covers are are not likely to sell again and publishers, um, you know, will will sell off what they have left. So you you just have uh really a, a huge, huge variety of of books, hardcover, soft cover mostly new in the sense of the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. not always. Um, and, and you you really approach it as a buyer by you sit down and you rifle through hundreds of books an hour making snap decisions mm-hmm. um, and non-returnable decisions, which is not the usual book buyers uh, situation. Mm-hmm. What you buy you really have to sell, but the margins are um, are almost extraordinary compared to what you normally work with in this business. So.
0: So if if you can describe it, what what's a kind of a typical deal? You walk in and you see somebody unloading tons of uh, of, of, of Jonathan Safran novel because it's coming out in paperback, say. So so what happens? You sit down and, and, and you bargain, or there's a set no, price? No, usually
2: the prices are set. I, there are, there are several ways that um, there there is there are any number of deals that can be made, but you know I I would say. Um generally with a hardcover book uh, a book that might cost twenty four ninety five when it was new um you you often can get it for three dollars mm-hmm. i mean i'm a ballpark figure different companies will will look for different um to get different amounts of you know to raise different amounts of cash obviously mm-hmm. um but usually it's fifteen to twenty percent of the original retail mm-hmm. at cost. Mm-hmm. Um, the the only difference for a bookstore is that you're not tied to the retail price.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of of of, uh, of of people are there buying? I mean, is it is it lots of independents Are the chains represented there? Is the chain, it, are yeah, the
2: chain, retailers there? The chains and, and Amazon are, are represented. Um, it, it's an it's an interesting show in that there's a lot of um, there is a lot of dealing going on outside of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show usually runs Friday through Sunday, mm-hmm. and I usually get there um, late Wednesdays, and I buy all day Thursday, which technically is the day before the show.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I buy in hotel suites. I buy. They have uh, something called breakout rooms, which are... Um, sales rooms outside of the convention itself which is off-limits until Friday until mm-hmm. opening but a lot of, many of the companies have um, their books available to buy before the show there were a few companies that even had um, breakout rooms at a hotel a couple blocks north uh, this time mm-hmm. so there's an awful lot of buying that goes on uh, you know beyond the, the limits of the show and it is. A, there is a certain uh, clandestine, clandestine yeah. quality to going to a hotel suite and and rifling through um, through boxes of book jackets and,
0: and uh, grenade launchers and yeah, uh... <laughs>
2: yeah. It feels that way occasionally.
0: Well, how long has this convention been going on?
2: This was this was the fifteenth year, actually.
0: And and have you gone to it more than once?
2: I've been th- for the last six.
0: The last six. Now, what have you seen? What's changed?
2: Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that has changed has been the as and it's the answer to that um, a variation of that question. Question and answer comes up in this business all the time. But um, the online presence of m- most of the wholesale companies mm-hmm. has changed the 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 um, I wouldn't say the importance of Cerebri, but six years ago, Cerebri felt like the place you went, you had to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I usually would buy remainders at Cirobe in the fall and at BEA in the spring. Mm-hmm. And I would make huge buys, and I would, uh, you know, I might, if something, if there was a title, for instance, that was um, Vermont or New England-based, I might buy four or five hundred, a thousand copies of something um, and store it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Where uh, now with with, online, with most, most of the bigger companies having websites that are, um uh, the good ones are password protected, mm-hmm. so you uh, your you know your customers aren't necessarily having the same access, but you have access to, for instance, quantities mm-hmm. um, that you used to be able to ask on a title by title basis, um, how many do you have left. Now you can often just check the website. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you see people buying um, a remaindered hardcover of a writer and then going and buying their new paperback version of some other book?
2: I I th- uh, but, Seeing was probably an exaggeration uh, uh, i it's more a case of I'd like to think that <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i am not sure i got, you know it's not something I've documented um I certainly have created uh audiences for authors within the context of my one store that mm-hmm. um that probably I wouldn't have been able to do otherwise but um uh, It's still a, it's still an uneasy truce. Mm -hmm. um, The remainder business, and you know, and it's, you're always. I mean, I wouldn't say that you hold your nose when you buy remainders. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not quite that. But there's always that uneasiness that I that I feel, whether I, no matter how I can tie myself in or out of it. Mm -hmm. um, It is, it is an odd corner of the business. There, you, if you go to a remainder house, and I've been to a few. it's stunning to see that many books um, in one place that have outlived their usefulness in that mm-hmm. sense.
0: What do you think is is the primary factor, if you can, behind the, just the the growth in the number of books being remaindered and the growth in their sales?
2: Um, the, well, certainly the growth in sales is is yet another place where bookstores, and this isn't just independence, obviously, because the first thing you see when you walk into a chain store is the uh, aisles and aisles of, of bargain books. Right. Um, you know, it's a corner for the retail market where they can actually make uh, a substantial margin. Mm-hmm. And if they have, a, I mean, if they have good buyers, they they uh, they aren't going to be stockpiling this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a bit of a challenge to buy non-returnable, but it's it's a good lesson in the fact that you can do it and get away with it, mm-hmm. if you have smart buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, the what was the second party question? I was the,
0: the just the fact that there are more remainder. Oh books. yeah,
2: I, well that kind of goes back to the that eternal debate about: um, are there too many books? Mm-hmm. Are there too many titles? Are we, you know, on the one hand, are, are we over printing? Um, the question could be asked: Is it a bad thing for publishers? I mean, and you could answer this question probably quicker than I could, but if a publisher commits to, say, a print run of, I don't know, 30000 and goes to the expense of setting that up, is it that much more expensive to print 40000 at that stage?
0: But those kind of numbers, no, but I would suspect that uh, I mean, what I would be speculating about would be just the the drop in sales reflecting something else about the culture. I mean, it's yeah. I think as you well know, the the actual sales of some of our more prominent writers are far below what people think. We're talking sure. about sure. novels selling two and three thousand copies where people are probably thinking, oh, they're selling thirty, forty, fifty. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think um, even though uh, f- with fiction, for example, people may be publishing uh, printing fewer copies the the constantly dropping market seems to be what I would think is responsible for the growing remainders.
2: I think I think that it is a huge part of it. Um, and and certainly when you see books that do pick up a publicity blitz, inevitably at the retail level we have a hard time getting them for a while. I mean mm-hmm. publishers mm-hmm. Um, at because the same they haven't time printed will, enough. Yeah, will not uh-huh. print enough and get caught by an Oprah pick or a
0: uh-huh.
2: or a. Uh, you know, a fresh air uh, visit, and suddenly we're, we're, there's two weeks where we can't get the book, and when we get it, people have already moved on. Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
2: it, it's, it's as confusing as everything else in this business right now, I think. Uh, there's certainly, you know, when you, when you are looking at the number of books that you see at a show like Cirobe, uh, you can't help but think, was all this necessary, yeah. Um, yeah. where you draw that line is, 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 uh, is the question.
0: Well, I'm going to close by asking you what kind of remaindered book does well in your store. Is it uh, is it fiction? Is it uh, cookbooks? How to? What 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 goes to your to your audience?
2: The leading category for us is our um, is our our art art remainders, um, partly because of price point, mm-hmm. just in in in, that, in, in uh, you know in sheer numbers, but. Um, in terms of quantity, probably hardcover nonfiction in fiction.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there's a lot of it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, people still
0: like hardcover books. Uh, you know
2: they, they do, and and they don't. I, I one thing I I hadn't mentioned is that they're they're usually slightly defaced. They're they're remainder marked with a uh, uh, magic marker, mm-hmm. so usually somewhere on the on the book mm-hmm. um, they've been slashed with a magic marker uh, in order to avoid publishers having to face returns a second
3: time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
2: so even though they usually are slightly damaged like that, um, they they still do very well. I, another factor, especially for things like hardcover mysteries, is, is that the the audience is getting older, and mass markets are almost unreadable for a significant portion of of the mystery audience because of their size yeah because they can't see the print mm-hmm. and so mystery hardcovers in particular have picked up um an audience that might not be able to afford them at, at full boat mm-hmm. or choose not to afford them at full boat and you know will come back and buy them um buy you know buy them for six or seven bucks um mm-hmm. uh, so it's you know it's it's I think that also depends upon the buyer. I mean, I, I don't happen to know anything about craft books, for instance, so I'm less likely to mm-hmm. um, to be buying those mm-hmm. because I would just be, you know, opening a can of worms of, that I didn't couldn't close. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Robert Gray from Ma- uh, Manchester, Vermont. Thank you for coming on the show today. No,
2: thanks for asking, Dennis.
0: Robert Gray is a bookseller at the Northshire Bookstore, one of America's great independents in Manchester, Vermont. He's also the proprietor of the literary blog Fresh Eyes. He spoke to us from his home in Manchester. And that's our show for today, the 21st of November, 2005. Thanks to Robert Gray for coming on the program and explaining all that complicated stuff. Thanks, too, to Andrew Steinmetz for engineering all that complicated stuff. And thanks to the crew at Noble House, Becky Kramer, Kelly Burdick, and publisher Valerie Marions. We will be back next week. We're going to take some time off for the Thanksgiving holiday here, see if we can get some technical kinks out. And we'll be back on a daily basis with news and commentary about books and writers then. Enjoy the holiday. And until we speak to you again, don't forget that whale is out there, man.